I am excited to share with you um, today about what's next. And the reason I want to do this, we just got through last week, we celebrated our 160th anniversary. Because of that celebration, we've been looking back over our history, celebrating all that God has done and looking back at some of the, uh, the ways that he's brought us through some difficult times and he's blessed us with some wonderful times. And, uh, we can see how the church has grown. And, uh, it's, it's been neat to look back. But now we reach a point where it's time for us to ask, but what's next? Because we're not going to just celebrate 160 years and then close our doors and say, okay, we did it. You know, we're here still for a reason. So what's next? Well, I want to share with you um, just a little bit about what I think God is doing in our church. To help us with that, if you look in Exodus, believe it or not, look in Exodus chapter 14. And we come to the part of the story in Exodus chapter 14. God has instructed uh, the, uh, Moses to go to Egypt to set the people free. Moses stood up against Pharaoh. You remember the story. There's all the plagues and all the, the craziness that happens. And Pharaoh finally says, okay, just to get you out of my hair and to stop all this chaos, just go. All right? And so Moses gets all the people and they start this journey. Now, as they start their journey, they are led by God in visible, uh, physical ways. Uh, a, uh, you know, think of it in terms of a cloud by day and fire by night. That He leads them. Well, they come to the sea. Now, on one side, they've got mountains. The other side, there's this vast sea. And behind them is the Egyptian army. Because, oh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is not, he's not a nice guy. He said, you guys can go. And then once they went, he said, eh, I don't think so. So he sends his army to go grab them up again. So they're kind of trapped now. They can't go left or right because of the terrain. They can't go forward because of the sea. And they can't go back because this vast army is headed towards them. And so the people start saying, you know, Moses, you brought us out here to die. Why did you do, are there no graves in Egypt? Couldn't we just die in Egypt? It'd be easier if we're going to die anyway. Let's just die there and bury us there. And they start complaining, thinking about, man, we should have just stayed where we are, looking again to the past, looking backwards, if you will. And so Moses says to the people, guys, we trust a big, strong God. Let's trust him. One way or another, we're going to get through this thing. He's going to take care of us. You'll see that in, in verse 13. Remember, we're in chapter 14. Look at verse 13. Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. 
The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I'm not sure Moses knew how because notice he thinks God's about to do a great battle. He's going to fight for you. I'm not sure Moses knew how, but he knew that God was going to take care of them. He told the people, guys, God's got this. We're okay. He's going to fight a tremendous battle that we can't fight on our own. He's got it. And then look at the next verse because this, this just, it, it comes out of nowhere in my mind. And it surprises me. Now I'm in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. The people begin to, to cry out. Moses does what Moses does. When the people cry out, Moses speaks to God on their behalf. So the people are hollering, complaining, belly aching, moaning, groaning. And Moses says, God, we have a problem. And God says, we don't have a problem. What are you doing sitting around talking to me? You need to be moving the people forward. When I first read that, I thought, man, that, that, that really shocks me. It just, it just seems out of, out of place there. Because they can't move forward. There's a sea. <laughs> Besides that, when we have problems, are we not to pray? I think God is saying to Moses, you guys have prayed enough. Now it's time to go. You know, it's great to be in the prayer closet. It's awesome to have a war room. But beloved, we can't live in the war room. We can't live in the prayer closet. The prayer closet, the war room, those are the places that we prepare to get out into real life. And it is there that God says, move forward. He says to Moses, it's time for you to tell the people to go. And so he explains to Moses, we're going we're to make a way for you. And just to make sure that everybody understands that this is not some weird natural thing that just accidentally happened at the exact perfect moment. He said, we're going to conduct this thing in a way that proves I'm in charge. Pick up your staff and hold it out over the sea. And it was at that moment with that action that the sea parted. Thereby demonstrating that God is in complete control. And as you know the story, the sea parts, the people cross. The Egyptians start in their way and the waters come back together. Matter of fact, one of the Psalms even, even uh, says that there was a storm that hit those Egyptians as they came through the sea. And so they got it from both sides and from the top. And God indeed defeated them and took care of his people. He said to Moses, it's time to tell the folks to move forward. And that seems to be a common theme in Scripture, that God intends us to keep looking forward, moving forward. He intends us to go to the next thing. As soon as, as, soon as we obey, in most cases we receive blessing right after obedience. We celebrate the blessing, and then it's time for us to say, 
what's next? We move forward. That's been our experience. We have been greatly blessed. And we've spent the last couple of three weeks celebrating those blessings. And now God is saying to us, I believe, what he said to them, move forward. You see, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said it. Paul said it like this. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. You see, this is a common theme in Scripture where we are encouraged to move forward, to keep, to keep going, not to settle on the past. Not to say, well, look how far we've come as much as let's keep moving forward to find God's plan to fulfill His purpose. Even Jesus said it in a different way. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now look at that. That's a hard saying. You stand up and you say, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to demonstrate my discipleship by taking the, the plow. I'm going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to work this field that he's called me to work. Now, when I get on that plow, in order to plow a straight line, I need to find a, a tree or a rock or something in the distance there upon which I can fix my gaze. And then as I plow, I can look toward that thing and that will make sure that I'm going in a straight line. However, if I step up to the plow, I say, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to work his field. I step up to the plow. I put my hand to the plow and I begin to work. However, I'm checking the, the time and I'm checking my iPhone and I'm talking to, hey, what's up? And, you know, my buddy's over here. There's no telling what that line's going to look like. I'm useless to the farmer. I'm useless in my service. So he says, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom. It's not about looking back, thinking about where you've come from. There are two mistakes that we make when we look back too much. One is all we can look at, all we can think about is our successes. When we look backwards, we focus on our successes and we say, I win every time. Since I win every time, I don't even really have to try anymore because I'm a winner. Or we make the other mistake of looking back and we see all the problems, all the failures, all the hearts, all the hurts, all the heartaches, and we say, I can't ever do anything right anyway, so what's the point in trying? Thus, he says, don't focus on your past. Don't focus on the past. If you stand up and you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and I'm willing to put my hand to the plow and work his field and obey him to fulfill his purpose for my life, then look forward and keep moving forward. Proverbs even says it a different way. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Proverbs chapter 4. So you see, there is a theme in Scripture that says we don't want to make the mistake of, of always looking back. We want to be thinking forward, moving forward. You remember the lady in the Old Testament who made the mistake of looking back? We don't really know her name. We just always called her Lot's wife. The angel comes and says, we're about to zap Sodom and Gomorrah. You better get on out. But it not only says that you should get out, it says, look to the mountains and go there. Go to the mountains. And she is directly, specifically instructed, do not look back. 
And as they start their journey to the mountains, she can't let go of her past. And she looks back and is turned to a pillar of salt. You see, if we are going to fulfill God's purpose, His plan for us, and by the way, if you're still alive on this earth, you have not yet fulfilled His complete purpose and plan for your life. And if we're going to fulfill that purpose and plan, we do so by thinking forward, moving forward, looking forward. Isaiah 43. Forget the former things, he says to the people. This is a specific instance in which the prophet is speaking to a specific people, but we also get a sense of how God works as we eavesdrop on their conversation. And he says to them, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Scripture says he is the one who makes all things New, if all we can do is look at the old and the past, we'll never experience fully the new that he's making. So we must move forward, look forward. Perhaps you're familiar with that great theologian, Will Rogers. He said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. We move forward. We trust God step by step, day by day, and we never decide, I've done enough. My time is, is, is up. I've, I've served enough. We never get to say, look at my past. I've checked off all the important things. I'm done. As long as we're alive, as long as we have breath, we move forward, serving Him, fulfilling His purpose. I'm convinced that every church and every organization for that matter, I'm convinced that every church and every organization, every entity is always spending their time, energy, and resources in one of three ways. Every entity has a limited amount of time, energy, and resources. And they are either using those to preserve the past, to maintain the present, or to prepare for the future. At all times, any entity is doing one of those three things. And they're all three good things to do. All right, I want you to hear me say that. But I used to say that each church, each local governmental entity, each organization should balance those. I no longer believe that. I don't think they should be held in balance. I think much more of our time, energy, and resources should be used in the third one than in the first two. Preparing for the future. And I will just be very transparent and go out on a big limb here. Because I want you to be aware that most in my opinion, most of the organizations, entities in our local community spend way too much time in the past and maintaining what they have. Most of us in this area 
don't spend near enough time, energy, and resources preparing for the future. As a matter of fact, when some try to prepare for the future, it is almost always met with resistance. Folks, let not our church be one of those organizations and entities. I'm convinced that God brought us 160 years, not so that we could say we made it 160 years, but so that he could prove to us that if we trust him, he's got even greater, bigger, better things in store for us in the future. We must move forward. Let us not spend too much time, energy, and resources preserving what once was or just maintaining what we've got, but let us commit ourselves to preparing for the future. With that in mind, let's ask that question one more time. So what's next for FBC West? Well, I have a few thoughts that I do want to share with you. And the first, thing, the first answer to that question, what's next? The first answer is that we will trust God to lead us forward. What happened there at the, at the, the story that we read, what happened there was the, the people came up against an obstacle and they panicked. You see, they could only see what was around them. And they could only depend on their experience. Their experience was Egyptians are bad guys. And so all they could do, they came up against an obstacle and they looked at what they could see and they depended on their own experience and they, did, they didn't have a plan. They panicked. And God says, Moses, tell them to move. It's time to move forward. In other words, tell them to trust me. I've got this. And we will at times come up against an obstacle or two. And our experience will tell us we can't do this or that. But we can and must, as God's people, we can and must trust God to lead us forward. As we trust Him, we know that He will lead us in the right way at the right time for the right purpose. We can depend on him for that. Let me share with you Psalm 32 and verse 8. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. What an awesome promise. He says to his people, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye on you. He says, I'm watching. I've got this. And if you'll let me, I'll show you the way to go if you'll trust me. So what's next for FBC West? Well, first, we're going to trust in God to lead us forward. Second, I think that we must build on our plumb lines. You remember the plumb lines? We talked about them earlier this year. The plumb line is that string that's held. There's a weight at the bottom called a plumb bob, and the weight makes sure the line is straight. And now that we've got a straight line, we can, we can do the masonry or the carpentry or whatever it is that, you know, we, we know we're building square. Our church has five plumb lines that guide us 
And as we move forward, we're going to build on those plumb lines. Everything we do, all of our resources, our time, and our energy should be built from these lines that will make sure that we're staying square. And each one of them has its own little, its own little key word to help us remember. The first one is that God deserves our best. That's the first plumb line. God deserves our best. And the, so the key word for that is excellence. God does not deserve the very common attitude that says, oh, this is enough. We're just a small town country folk. This is good enough. That's not good enough. God deserves our best. And so excellence is the word that's going to drive us on that. The second plumb line that, that will direct us into the future is that we focus on church health, not church growth. We focus on church health, not church growth. In other words, we could get the numbers, but numbers don't necessarily mean healthy growth. Cancer grows, but it's not healthy. We focus on health, knowing that healthy organisms grow, we will see growth, but growth is not the goal. It's a byproduct of the goal, which is a healthy body of Christ. The third plumb line that guides us, that, 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 that we're going to build on as we move into the future, is that we do church best in small groups. We do church best in small groups. We've said it this way, that, that church happens better in circles than it does in rows. It is, it is my goal that every member of our church be in some kind of small group. That could be your Sunday morning Bible study group. I'd love it if we had folks in Sunday morning Bible study and a life group that meets at a different time because they serve two purposes. Sunday morning Bible study is more about education. It's more about teaching the, the scripture and the curriculum. Life group is more about relationship and experiencing what we're learning together. We miss some of that on Sunday morning. So I would love it if everyone would be in, in both experiences. But at the very least, our goal needs to be that every member is involved in some kind of a small group experience because that's where church really happens. This is worship. This is worship. But church happens in small group settings. The fourth plumb line, and I think this is an important one, is that worship is about what we do for God, not what the church does for us. Worship is about what we do for God, not what the church does for us. When we come on Sunday morning, are we coming to see if the church is going to live up to our expectations? Or when we come on Sunday morning, are we coming to see how we can best serve and sacrifice to an almighty God who is worthy of all our praise? And then finally, the fifth plumb line that will guide us into the future as we build together is that the, the, the church should have a positive impact on its community. 
The church should have a positive impact on its community. This community should be a better place to live and work and go to school because of the influence of the members of First Baptist Church of West. We should have a positive impact on this community. If this community is no different, whether we're here or not, we don't need to be here. So those plumb lines, we're going to build on those plumb lines as we move forward. What's next? We're going to remember the plumb lines and build according to those guidelines. All right? And by build, I mean grow together. The third thing that we might answer as we ask the question, what's next? First, we're going to trust in God to lead us. Second, we're going to build on those plumb lines. And in third, we need to plan for next year. As we, uh, we're, the, this year is going to be over before we know it. And we need to know what's happening next year. So I want to share with you now that next year, 2019, is going to be the year of the family at FBC West. We're going to focus on family. You're going to hear family in our preaching, in our small group experiences, in many of the events that, that we hold. We're, we're going to have a, a, a big event each quarter. Many of them are what we already have going, but we're going to focus on those big events each quarter. The first quarter, uh, we're going to have a marriage retreat in February. During that first quarter, our, our marriage uh, retreat is going to happen in February. Um, speaking of marriage and the first quarter, you'll also be invited to a wedding in January, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the second quarter is uh, we're going to move from marriage. The second quarter is going to be about parenting. And in that second quarter, uh, that's basically, give or take a few weeks, that's basically when the two banquets, there's a, a father-daughter banquet, there's a, a mother-son banquet. But also in that time, I'm very hopeful that we can begin two new groups. One is, it will be a, a group for dads who have daughters. That's a, a unique relationship with, with unique needs and, and, and experiences. And and I'm really interested in, in meeting with dads who have daughters. We did this one time some years ago, um, and each week I had these little icebreakers, and then I had like this lesson that was planned and prepared, and every week we spent all of our time and didn't get out of the icebreakers. And so I still got this material that I think is good for dads and daughters. So we want to do that. Also, sometime in 2019, I doubt that I can get it ready in the second quarter, but sometime in 2019, I'd like for us to start a group on uh, parenting in the pew. The idea is um, how can Christian parents raise their kids in church in a positive way? You know, so many times kids resent having to go to church. They grow up and they get out of church because they had to go and, and all that. Or they come and they're bored to death, bored. They don't understand it, don't get How can parents help their children experience what church really is all about, parenting in the pews. We're going to work on that in 2019 as well. Um, we get to the third quarter. We're going to bring back our men's conference. Um, didn't do it this year for two reasons. One, because uh, I, had, 
I had actually been playing with the idea of expanding and making the men's conference a central Texas regional thing. Um, and so I tried to get some plans in order for a bigger deal. But uh, when I, instead of being able to work on something that large, we wound up working most of the time on the 160th anniversary. And again, my family keeps talking about this wedding. So it was, it was kind of hard to, to do that. So what, what's going to happen in 2019 is we're going to dial it back to what I think is, is the appropriate vision for that ministry. And that's that it's going to be a First Baptist Church of West thing. Instead of trying to make it a Central Texas thing, this is our thing. And anybody in Texas is welcome to come. But we're going to hold it here. We're going to host it. We're going to lead it. We're going to, this is going to be our, our event. And so that's going to happen in the third quarter. Then the fourth quarter, um, the, uh, obviously the ladies' uh, Christmas brunch is always a big deal. Fall Family Fun Night falls in there as well. And we'll have various Christmas events, that, uh, obviously. So each quarter, marriage, parenting, men, women. We're going to look at family throughout 2019, and, uh, and that's going to be our, the year of the family. It's going to be our primary emphasis. So what, what's next for FBC West? We're going to trust God. We're going to build on the plumb lines. We're going to plan for next year, and then we're going to plan for the years ahead. Looking past 2019, what happens? The reason we need to talk about that is decisions that we make today define who we're going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Folks don't always look at their church or that organization that way. Unfortunately, we usually don't make plans until we have to. But I'm convinced that even though we don't think we're planning, every decision we make today defines who we're going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. So we're going to plan for the years ahead. We've been talking for a long time about a family life center. We need to finalize those plans, talk about those plans, approve those plans, and, and get moving on what a family life center might look like for our church, for our community. If we were to build a family life center, we could double our fellowship space, add recreation space, increase education space, add another office so that all of our staff have office space, increase uh, even our worship space, because it would be very possible for us to have a second kind of worship experience in a, in a multi-purpose multi facility like that. That means that we're reaching more people in a meaningful way. Not only, not only do we need to finalize our plans for the Family Life Center, but we need to continue to partner with 61 Isaiah in the years ahead. But in addition to that, we need to look at additional missions opportunities that are out there. We need to work with other missionaries doing other things in other parts of the world. We need to look at what, what missions in the states might look like. Toward that end, our church needs to be more actively involved in disaster relief. We've experienced it. And based on our experience, we can be helpful to others. We need to use that experience in a positive way. So in the years to come, we need to formalize a plan for helping others through disaster recovery. 
In the years ahead, we need to focus on, on building more small groups, not making the few groups we have bigger, but making more actually small groups. By the way, a small group is 10, maybe 12. After 12, you're not a small group anymore. You're a great group of people, but we're missing part of the experience. So in the future, we're going to work on building more small groups. We need to work on strengthening our connection with our local schools. There's so much that we can do in our local schools if we just agree that it's important enough to make the sacrifices necessary. We need to have that connection with our local schools. We need to get every member involved in some kind of ministry. We understand that we are a nation of priests. We need to develop that priesthood and help everyone find a spot in which they can minister. So that's what's next for FBC West. We're going to trust God. We're going to build on those plumb lines. We have a plan for next year, and we need to start planning for the years ahead. I hope that you will pray with me and work with me as we move ahead together for God's glory.